0: <clears throat> uh <laughs> oh, oh,
1: to our podcast within a podcast pottering around the shortest chapter with the most information of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who are looking at our pets with much more suspicion at the moment. My name is Sarah. I am joined as always by my co host BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing?
0: i uh, just reassured to know that you all are now looking at your pets the same way I always look at my rabbit. It's just <laughs> someday at some time when I wake up in the morning and you've got one paw over my face and are looking at me dead in the eyes. I know you're going to go through with this. Uh, I'm glad to know we're all in the same wavelength.
1: Yeah, it we, we took us a little while longer, but we got there, Spencer.
0: <laughs> we have literary examples in the form of Crookshanks to assist us with this psychological <laughs> process. I mean, you definitely had cats that kind of looked like Crookshanks, so it, yeah, I'm somehow it,
2: not surprised.
0: Yeah, I mean, just everyone talks about this idea of this, oh, this is evil-looking cat. I'm just looking at this going, no, that's just a cat. <laughs> that,
1: that's, that, uh, that's how cats uh, look in the world.
0: <laughs> I had cats that fought raccoons every evening as part of their just daily activities of how they had fun that's how they end up looking after they do that for a few years
1: same so we are in what number chapter are we on this week
2: seventeen chapter We're going seventeen. This.
1: yeah um
2: cat racket and dog cat with rat and dog
1: which
0: wonky looking tree yeah. in terms uh, of like swampy a,
1: a wompy the... looking tree.
0: Oh God, Sarah! Not you too.
1: It's been a lot. succeeded.
2: <laughs> also, I I think we have a very similar illustrator doing a very different job on what the Womping Willow looks like.
1: <laughs> that might be true. Okay. Um, and this is this begins our two chapter stretch of titles that are all t- chapter titles that are also lists. So get ready for that.
2: I'm surprised there isn't a semicolon in it.
1: Well, I can get a pin out and (laughs) fix that for me.
0: (laughs) Self-editing can occur. Uh,
1: So we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid-fire recap. Um, BJ wheezes about something wizarding-related. Spencer has some newbies' notes. We award house points. And uh, then there are our questions.
0: Just a few.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, This is, I believe, Spencer, one of those quintessential chapters where none of them will be answered but we will see <laughs> sarah
0: please explain the end of the plot for us
1: <laughs> that's what we have the book for spencer
0: oh that means i've got to read <laughs> so don't worry you probably can read the chapter titles and get pretty far yeah I, I was thoroughly amused that we got the chapter title inside of like four paragraphs in this
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um and we have some convoluted rules for how these rapid-fire recaps go.
0: <laughs> you are 20 points up in two weeks. You've got this down.
1: We'll see. There was some last-minute editing on this chapter recap, so I
2: don't really know what's going on. Well, and then there's also some background to this, because I was going to give, give you a full two minutes, but, uh, we had an intercession from our resident Hufflepuff, who, um, apparently is, is evil. Um, much more so than a resident Slytherin, which I find very funny. And it was like, well, clearly this is a short chapter, so it should be a minute, 45 seconds. I I'm... mean, things happen, <laughs> but they're not important.
1: I feel like Hufflepuffs are known for wandering into a scene, saying something and then leaving before the gravity of the thing that they have said actually hits. <laughs> well, but there's a
2: huge benefit because you can follow the trail of crumbs and hunt them down. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean,
0: we get hungry midway through the conversation, but we present the idea that you should burn all witches, and before the actual fires get lit, ooh, s'mores. <sighs>
1: oh, that's you to a T, Spencer. <laughs> okay, going on. So BJ, are you sticking with your two minute time limit?
2: Uh, as funny as I would think it to be for you to try and fill up the extra 15 <laughs> seconds now that you have pared it down. Um, I will go with the uh, hufflepuff suggested amount of time of 145.
1: Well, but point of clarification, the fact yes. that my summary might be 145 still just means that I would have come in under the 2 minute time limit, right? That is not
0: Yeah, that that is not a threat. In fact, if you decided to set a goal for yourself of a minute 45 and he set it for 2 minutes, you could get an extra extra series of points.
1: If I bet myself that I would come yes. in at 145.
0: Yeah, you could do it a, a double bet essentially. Bet your precise time within six seconds and bet you'd be under 145.
1: Yes. But I
2: will say I bet that you can do it in 152. Um, mm. And this has no points. This is just, I like throwing <laughs> wrenches in <and> things.
1: <laughs> we are well aware.
0: <laughs> Sarah, how long do you think you need?
1: I think I am going, oh my God, I don't know. I think I'm going to do this in exactly 145.
0: Okay, is that a is that a bet, or are you just you know saying that for your own benefit? <laughs>
1: <coughs> oh, damn the torpedoes! Let's go with it.
0: All right, Miss Farragut, let's see how oh, you do. All right, all right. Uh, are you betting a precise time?
1: Yes, I'm going to bet 145.
0: So you're betting you're going to be under. You're, gonna, you're you're betting for the 145 limit and a precise time at 145.
1: I was unaware that I bet twice. <laughs>
0: giving you the opportunity of going for a full 15 points for this round.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. The Novelty
2: Stotch is apparently waiting with bated breath. Uh, the- <laughs> It doesn't even know what to do with its hands at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah, BJ.
1: Okay, so Beak is dead dead. Moreover, Scabbers is having a major freak out, perhaps partially because Crookshanks has come into the scene. Scabbers escapes, Crookshanks takes off after him, Ron takes off after the cat, Harry and Hermione take off after him, and all of a sudden the giant black dog has appeared. This grim creature grabs Ron's arm, arm in his teeth and starts dragging him away, and this is the point at which Harry realizes that they are in striking range of the Whomping Willow, and the dog is dragging Ron, whose leg is currently at an unnatural angle, through a gap in the roots. Hermione wants to go for help, but Harry doesn't think there's time. In a clutch move, Crookshanks dashes through and presses just the right knot to get the limbs to stop. They follow a tunnel and emerge in a disused room in what Hermione identifies as the Shrieking Shack. And when they find Ron in pain upstairs, they also find not the dog, but Sirius Black, an unregistered Animagus. Black is looking a little bit nuts, disarms them, and begins talking about Harry's dad, which enrages him. Ron is noble, Black threatens murder, and Harry has had enough. They essentially launch themselves at Black and wrestle away his wand. In the aftermath, Harry confronts Black about killing his parents and threatens to kill him, but Crookshanks lodges himself in the way, and Black wants Harry to hear the whole story. In the meantime, though, Lupin shows up, disarms Harry, and bafflingly asks Black where he is. Black points at Ron Ron of all people, and Lupin goes through a thinking-out-loud process that doesn't make a whole lot of sense before embracing Black like a brother, which sets Hermione off. She's known for months that Lupin is a werewolf and didn't tell anyone because she trusted him. But Lupin hasn't been helping Black get into the castle and, in fact, gives all their wands back to prove it. The Marauder's Map, written in part by Lupin, showed him that after Harry, Ron, and Hermione left Hagrid's hut, they were joined by a fourth person, Scabbers, also known as Peter Pettigrew.
0: You did it. Minute 40 Where did and th- I end up? <laughs> minute 40 and 30 milliseconds.
1: Okay, wow. so, but, so I lost one of the bets then.
0: You lost one of the bets, but I'll just, I'll just minus that and still give you the 10 points.
1: Okay, I'll take that.
0: That, that's just that's that's impressively well done.
1: Thank you. Uh, there was a furious editing um, in two different <laughs> rounds.
2: I was gonna wonder uh, because there was some things that sort of happened before the start. Of yes.
1: Your, so uh, most summer. of what came out was <laughs> from the very beginning. <laughs> But that's fine. It's, um, it's we'll probably
2: get to that at some point or another.
1: Yes, it, in the context of the chapter, it didn't seem particularly important.
2: Uh, unlikely. So <laughs> I have some wheezing to do. And I believe that I said that I wasn't going to talk about um, grammar and punctuation anymore. <laughs> and that was a dirty, dirty lie. Because I didn't know what was going to come up.
0: Uh, we, all knew, mm-hmm. we all knew you were going to stick to that one, BJ. Yeah. Um,
2: and so I have a question for you. Um this is going to be a number of parts and if you'd like to bet some of your house points you're more than welcome to do so. Um and you can earn more points for your respective houses. Um the first thing we're going to do is mm-hmm. a betting pool um in groups of 10. Um how many M- dashes do you think are in this chapter?
1: I don't oh. know what that means. <laughs>
2: uh so give me a range of 10. So be, like say between 15 and okay. 24. Okay. Um, and you can bet some points on it and uh, then I will tell you whether you're correct.
0: <laughs> I'm going to guess between 30 and 40.
1: I am going to guess... Or
0: 30 and 39, sorry, margin 10.
1: Ooh, I am very briefly flipping through this. There's a lot. Um, I'm going to do 25 to 34.
0: Um,
2: both those guesses are very funny because you did guess how many punctuation of a different sort there are. (laughs) However, you were off on the m-dashes.
1: Okay. How many we talking? So,
2: um, quite a number. Um, but we, I also did other counts. Uh, there were about 80 m-dashes. I might be (laughs) off by one or two because, uh, there are a lot.
1: Oh my
0: gosh. There's a lot of times it could have just been a comma, but no, it's m-dashes throughout here.
1: Well, listen, as my pet theory goes, this is a high stress chapter.
0: <laughs> and when you, and when a person is in high stress, they speak in m dashes um, or ellipses. And I'm sort of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sort
2: of curious if an m dash is uh, textual information for wand waving. Interesting. Hmm. Um, it's definitely not. It's mostly like people are mm-hmm. out of breath or whatever. But mm-hmm. it'd be a very funny uh, stage direction. <laughs> yeah, a visual stage direction. Um, so my next question for you is I'm going to give you two numbers (laughs) and you get to assign which is ellipses and which is semicolons
1: oh okay whichever one is Uh, higher is
0: ellipses I think this time around
1: this is this is a big ellipses chapter
2: okay
0: Uh, it's
1: 29 and 36 oh but those are close
0: I I drew my line in the sand I'm going with 36 for ellipses
1: okay then I'll take the I'll, I'll take the opposite
2: uh, Spencer's correct. It is 36 for ellipses and 29 for semicolons.
1: Wow.
0: This is a very um, punctuation-rich chapter, isn't it? It is. And <laughs> Think I about was how much
1: shorter th- this chapter actually would have been if there were just regular punctuation marks instead
0: of... <laughs> you could have
2: gone for a, uh, a minute even, Sarah. ...which just <laughs> lengthen everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing that I was going to do, but I felt like I had gone way too far already, was count how many <laughs> sentence paragraphs there were um
0: it is indeed more than five
1: that does not surprise me at all
0: Mm. um we are in a non-breathing chapter in terms of what the characters are going through so yeah run on Scalar. Mm -hmm. yeah um so there are some
2: like harry reached for his wand comma but too late m dash the dog had made (laughs) an enormous leap and the front paws hit him on the chest semicolon he killed over backwards in a whirl of hair semicolon he felt its hot breath comma saw-inch-long-teeth, m-dash.
1: High stress, BJ. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah,
2: very high stress. Um, and all sorts of mixed punctuation that is thoroughly entertaining. Um, and then we get to, um, and they're at the base of the trunk and just sort of everything there are, you know, these mixed, uh, (laughs) punctuation, fascinating sentence paragraphs. (laughs) Um, but my favorite. Um, oh, please, we're two in a row or sorry three in a row <laughs> um i'll start out and if you guys want to pick up with the next two sure he had forgotten about magic m dash he had forgotten that it was that he was short and skinny and 13 comma whereas black was a tall comma full-grown man m dash all harry knew was that he wanted to hurt black as badly as he could and that he didn't care how much he got hurt in return m dash Sarah, take it away.
1: Perhaps it was the shock of Harry doing something so stupid, comma, but Black didn't raise the wands in time, M dash. One of Harry's hands fastened over his wasted wrist, comma, forced the, forcing the wand tips away, semicolon. The knuckles of Harry's other hand collided with the side of Black's head and they fell, comma, backward, comma, into the wall, M dash.
0: Spencer, round us out. Hermione was screaming, semicolon. Ron was yelling, semicolon. There was a blinding <laughs> flash as the wands in Black's hands. sent... A jet of sparks into the air that missed Harry's face by inches semi Harry felt the sh- shrunken arm under his fingers twist madly comma but he clung on comma his other hand punching every part of black it could find period that's a run right there
1: yeah when when it, your your sentence paragraphs are not actually contained two paragraphs and in fact span three paragraphs <laughs> impressive
2: yeah um, I was I might have gotten slightly derailed in getting caught up in the action, getting caught up in what was going on with the sentence structures and <laughs> punctuation. Uh,
1: so but B- admittedly... In questions, BJ is just like, so what happened in this chapter? <laughs> I I really want to know.
2: Well, I actually did read it first. so So I did read for content before I reread for... I knew this was going to be an entertaining punctuation chapter. <laughs> I really want to have a talk with the editor and just... I would love to see a picture of like the markup mm. i mean this and, feels
1: like the point at which the editor gave up
2: right <laughs> and i just sort of wonder if there are like big circles with like punctuation question mark and going to like i don't know if there are like levels of editorial staff that is just like well she's famous now so you can't do shit <laughs>
0: BJ, with this segment, I'm occasionally left to ponder what your book reports were like back in, like, second grade, of where, BJ, what'd you think of the book? It had 342 commas. It's like, you're the rain man of book reviews. <laughs> um and and no, that I, was I, when I, we
1: knew he was a scientist. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, No, as, as we found out by my texting habits, my book reports were as few sentences as possible, covering as much as possible <laughs> in... Mm-hmm. Uh, without much sentence structure.
1: Somewhat to the detriment Um, of conveying content? Perhaps. (laughs)
2: Perhaps. (laughs) Or like if you read it carefully and took (laughs) the context into uh, account, you probably could figure it out reasonably. (laughs) But uh, that was not what was expected of said book reports. Hmm. Um, To say that I was often on the minimum side of the uh, please submit a book report between four and six pages. Um, <laughs> might be slightly understatement. I,
0: I had I had to get special dispensation at times for just utterly shattering those limits on the top end. Look, Spencer, I, you may have written more than the actual short story we had you read. Uh, can you dial it back next time?
2: <laughs> so th- I think this was typified by uh, one of the chemistry cl- uh, labs that I took, and we had to do lab reports. Um, my lab partner would write usually between 40 and 60 pages, and I would struggle to get three. (laughs) This was highly compounded by the fact that I'd already, like, I had a lab notebook that I was already writing in for a scientific lab, and so it very much confused me how, you know, things like weighing paper and looking at the deviation of paper to paper weight (laughs) could up anywhere near that much uh, paper in a lab report. But I, I don't know. Anyway, um, so I think that's enough wheezing for this chapter. Unfortunately, I didn't find many entertaining words or other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we've mentioned before, that's a uh, very heavily weighted to, towards the uh, early chapters as opposed to the late ones. Yes. Okay. Uh, so...
0: Newbie, do you have any notes on this chapter? Uh, I can't imagine you have many. I, I've got a few lines followed by just a series of question marks that stretch on for a couple pages. Uh, I won't be reading those. Uh, starting really?
1: Because if you, if you take BJ's tack, you can just read them out loud.
0: I shall now read the next 323 question marks.
2: And it doesn't uh, quite meet the M-dash <laughs> numbers of
0: the chapter. I didn't count them, BJ. Should I should have talked with you first. Well, we start out with Scabbers behaving decidedly out of character, which both makes sense and doesn't make sense with what we find out later, that Scabbers is actually, apparently, Peter Pettigrew. Somehow. Why he is desperately trying to get away from Ron in this moment is interesting. It seems in my mind, I mean, we've last found him, and of course, I got this wrong, in a milk bottle. Yes. Not a sealed milk bottle, I had that wrong, but in a milk bottle in Hagrid's hut. Mm-hmm. Which he was either put there or he is hiding. And now he is desperately trying to get around, get away from Ron right before they are attacked by both Scabbers, by both Crookshanks and the Grim. Meaning, is he aware that he's actively being pursued? Is he aware that, you know, Cruikshank is after him? Is he aware that there's something else after him? None of this is made clear other than, in this moment, he thinks being near Ron equals death. Which, given the amount of danger that our main characters go through in these <laughs> stories, not that off-base is a reasonable prediction. I'm glad to see Crookshanks just so thoroughly embodied as a cat in this chapter, and particularly with respect to what appear to be either divided or conflicting loyalties to anyone but Crookshanks. Mm-hmm. That Crookshanks is actively invested in the whole murdering Scabbers ideal. That's not changed. But it also he also is invested in aiding our trio in terms of calming the Whomping Willow by... Apparently, knowing that there was a magic button. Which is interesting. We see a lot in this chapters against the Crookshanks is bright beyond what an animal should be. Like, bright beyond what a phoenix even was in the, la- in the, last, in the last couple books. Mm-hmm. This thing is aware of its surroundings, is problem solving, and is actively working to assist people. With its divided Loyalty Mowing 3 of when it jumps on Sirius Black and serves as furry body armor. It's interesting. I mean, Crookshanks has an active will of its own, and it conflicts directly with several of our main characters in different ways. Ultimately ending up just purring on Sirius's lap while everyone else in the room is trying to kill each other, which is a very on-brand cat moment. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, all while around this is happening, we have a Grimm show up to make things exciting. And man, Ron gets himself chewed before this chapter is done. Like, Ron is seriously injured. He is grabbed by a... a full-on, you know, they call it a dog, but this thing's a full-fledged wolf, gets yanked off his feet, blood coming out of him, poured, all, pulled all the way over to the Whomping Willow, somehow gets through that without being beaten to a pulp, gets his arm broken, visibly, audibly, in the process of getting pulled into this thing, and then spends the rest of the chapter, is it his arm or his leg? Actually, His leg. His, leg. his leg. He gets and, uh,
1: grabbed by the arm, but
0: it's his leg that breaks on the roots. Sure, more injuries, which would sure. make it even more exciting. <laughs> And then spends the last bit of this chapter diligently trying to walk on this leg for the sake sake of making his arguments all the more dramatic. As he just keeps collapsing on the floor, to the point that the guy who, at this point, they all still assume is the villain, and we kind of sort of believe, still believe such as that, says, How about you go lay down? (laughs) Just stay out of this. I'm I'm, I'm flinching every time your leg goes in the wrong direction.
1: Yeah, this emaciated sort of skeleton-like creature.
0: It's... (laughs) It appears that the prior suggestions that we had that the in, that the entrance to Hogwarts underneath the Whomping Willow was blocked off by, say, the Whomping Willow have proven inaccurate, which kind of sort of could have seen that coming. The fact that the Whomping Willow, on the other hand, does not actively beat up animals that go through it. I, is it because they're moving particularly fast? Is it because they are animals and we don't see it, you know, destroy every single bird that tries to land on it? Not sure. We'll ask Sarah about that later. Mm-hmm. But it apparently leads not to you know, any particular bars in uh, in the nearby town, it leads to the Shrieking Shack, which, you know, in terms of hiding places, not a bad place to go. Everyone assumes that it is massively haunted, and if it is, the ghosts apparently aren't in attendance right now. Makes you wonder almost whether the rumors about the shack were in some way intentionally spread, but if so, that is one hell of a long con rather than it's being something that Sirius Black thought up now. Because, correct if I'm wrong, sir, but the Shrieking Shack has had this reputation for, like, Years upon years mm-hmm. is the most haunted, one of the most haunted places in Britain. Yep. So... Well, when you say years upon
2: years, I assume you mean longer than about 30 years ago. I
0: don't know. I mean, certainly longer than, like, the last year that Sirius Black has escaped from prison from.
2: I, yes, but I'm just saying that 30 years ago would be about the right amount of time for things to have been easily set up to be coming to fruition now. Yep.
0: Yeah, we're going to we're gonna have we're having a lot of... A lot of questions are coming from this chapter about just what aspects of this plot were set in place by a particular friend group, including Lupin, Sirius Black, and Harry's dad.
1: And goes. how many, what, per, what percentage of those questions, if you had to guess, Spencer, do you think are going to get answered tonight?
0: 100%. <laughs> I'm hoping okay. for at least one, because it's on my list here in a second. Okay. Uh, we have our moment of the confrontation, and it goes, well, not at all, not necessarily what we expected, though it's... Fun to see what ways it proves a lot more realistic than I thought it was going to be. For one, Sirius Black is not just this classic villain manifestation of physical strength. He is a utterly wasted individual because he's been in prison the last twelve years. He's been psychically and physically tortured this whole time. He's almost immediately overpowered by three thirteen-year-olds, and I found that a fun subversion of what I was expecting. Most of the time, this villain has been described in, you know, like, werewolf form as being an active, malevolent physical threat to these kids. But when they put up even the slightest bit of a fight, he caves because the man's barely able to stand under his own power. He also and he has
1: just put in a lot of effort into getting Ron... In,
0: into bed. <laughs> in, into bed.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, sponsor. Um, Different fanfic. So, was the Grim also grim looking
1: Um... I mean, I don't think that we ever get like a clear description of whether the Grim was looking emaciated as well. I just assumed it, because it's a, described as a big dog, but not whether like mm-hmm. it is a bony dog or not. Um, yeah. I don't know, but I don't think that it would be like out of the realm of possibility that a, a harbinger of death would automatically also be somewhat wasted.
0: Hmm. Well. Our confrontation is somewhat interrupted by the idea that it appears that Sirius Black is very much interested in talking rather than murdering right now, and seems to want to indicate that there is a whole story that is yet to be heard. Of course, Harry being Harry interrupts before we have any opportunity to find out what that is, because that is on brand as all could ever be. Though, it's fun to see. Uh, we have heard before, I think, of this spell. Help me with the pronunciation. Expelliarmus? Expelliarmus, yes. Hey! First time ever pronounced I thought it was one
2: of those pronounced ye.
1: <laughs> it, is, that, it is also the spell
0: <laughs> that, that, that is the shorthand version of uh-huh. that spell you'll you learn, you learn that in your upper owl levels um, that's the American seems... version of this spell <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in duels that would give us a massive advantage <laughs> the British say out the, the full out expel the armor, so we just go yeet and gone <laughs> either way that spell seems pretty overpowered when it comes to like a dueling setting of where you just say that spell and everyone's wand in the room just goes flying. Seems like a useful spell to know. Um, but what really interrupts the conversation is that Harry really goes full on dark side in this chapter. Like Sith Lord whispering in his ear, evil voices resonating through his head, dark side kind of chapter. Mm-hmm. His hate is boiling out of him to the degree it's kind of terrifying. He's in full-on, uncontrolled, I-don't-care-if-you-kill-me-in-the-act-of-charging-you kind of rage. And yet, when he finally has Sirius Black at his mercy, he hesitates. He notably doesn't stop. He doesn't put down the wand himself. He doesn't actually come to his own, I-can't-do-this decision. Outside events intervene. But, he has the man dead to rights, and at least in that instant, he doesn't do it. Whether a few He's moments kind of
2: patronizing that... about it, too. What'd you say? He's kind of patronizing about it, too. How so? Just the way he, like, interacts with Black.
0: hmm Yeah. Uh, it's also weird that we've heard before that Harry, you know, has a, has a dark side, has a lot of angry feelings in his heart. His feelings of rage that come primarily from the loss of his parents and his own painful past. We've not before, I don't think, had it manifested as a voice. And it's very distinctly described here as a voice in his head. So... Harry essentially manifesting an evil persona in himself? Is he trying to you know, divorce that aspect of himself by making it another entity? I'm not sure, but I don't think we've ever had it described in this kind of literal of a way before. And I, there's nothing else that could account for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have <laughs> Harry and Hermione, so we have Ron and Hermione uh, standing, well, I say sta- I say standing with Harry, but that's kind of really <laughs> mocking Ron in this given moment. Uh, They're they're supporting him after a fashion to the best of their ability, which is heartwarming. But we also see Harry's other hero Lupin intervene and just entirely throw a wrench in things. That every assumption that Harry and Hermione, for that matter, had about this person and what he meant to them is pretty rapidly dashed. It's... This is so thoroughly distracting that they forget to murder someone right now. (laughs) This is how much this has knocked them off kilter. It's interesting to see that Hermione has been a secret keeper for a while. Not—that's no real surprise. We've been, been debating this theory for a while that she would have seen through it. I also love that this wasn't Lupin just kind of sighs and go, "Well, points for Sirius. That was clearly his plan here. Uh, points for uh, not Sirius. Snape. Snape. Mm-hmm. This was clearly his plan here. Kudos for him that he pulled it off well. Also, asshole. And but luckily, Lupin, who's always very effective at communicating with children, finds. Probably for the first time in this entire story, the only way I've yet seen to convince them to actually listen to an adult without interrupting, (laughs) presuming, and walking off. He gives them violent weapons and invites them to shoot him. Didn't see Isn't that coming. kind that like of like a silencing spell. I feel like it'd be so much easier. Yeah, but this. He, Lupin does not do things half, you know, half heartedly. He does things full on. I want you to trust me, and to do that, I'm going to go the classic trope of giving you the gun and giving you an opportunity to shoot me with it. Or to hear me out. Because, as we've seen in every movie and book that's ever done this trope, it always works. And it does here, too. Also throwing in the fact that he casually reveals that the Marauder's map. I suspected, is partially his own creation. This raises more questions than I possibly ever have time to inquire with Sarah about. Mm -hmm. I will try to poke one and see what happens. But it again proves the Marauder's Map is probably the most essential magical artifact in the history of this entire magical world. In the sense that, and I don't think this has been firmly revealed before, it reveals hidden information. It's not just it keeps track of people that are walking through the world it will actually reveal the identity of individuals that are otherwise under disguise, including that Scabbers is Peter Pettigrew, which leaves us in a very dramatic moment going into the next chapter and leaves me with so many questions that I'm barely able to sense still as I kind of vibrate here and talk with you. (laughs) So I think we had a little bit of confirmation
2: before given that Harry under the invisibility cloak was on the
0: Marauder's map. Yes, that's one thing. Not completely, but... That is true. We did know that before. It's still a bit of a different thing that it will see through to your true identity, even when you are under or working under the guise of some of something and something else. Happen for a substantial period of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we end there. And I have many questions, but before we do that, we need to see who won and lost this chapter. So, Sarah, <laughs> who wins the cup?
1: I ooh, I don't I don't know. <laughs>
2: Well, I know who loses house points and that's the editorial staff.
0: <laughs> They're not in the book.
1: <laughs>
0: clearly So the goblins of the world lose, fine, but within this chapter,
1: um, you know, I don't I can't remember the rules that I've set myself and then subsequently broken when awarding house points on any on any given chapter. I, it's
2: fine, it's capricious.
1: I think that honestly, um, Crookshanks accomplished everything he wanted to in the world today. Crookshanks had a good run. Like, just Crookshanks
0: is the MVP of this chapter. Honestly, there'd be a lot yes, more people either dead or not present for key plot moments if Crookshanks hadn't gotten involved.
1: Yes, and um, If you were if you were going to do um, BJ a Deus Ex of this chapter, I believe it's Deus Ex Crookshanks. Oh
0: God. They, yes. <laughs> Deus Ex Meow, meow
1: <laughs> uh, what were you going to say about Scabbers, BJ? I'm sorry. Scabbers head. Not the best
0: chapter.
2: And neither did Ron.
1: No, Um, and so I think that we can probably assume that Scabbers is going to have perhaps a worse chapter next chapter. Um,
0: (laughs) Scabbers going to live beyond the next chapter.
1: Unclear. I think that Ron had a more immediately bad chapter.
0: I mean,
2: but is is broken bones really a problem for wizards?
1: No, except that it is... At this moment, unclear that they are going to leave the Shrieking Jack. That's true. Uh, Quick. And also, why isn't it,
2: like, a first year thing to learn how to knit bones?
1: Well, it's really just that (laughs) potion,
2: (laughs) the Skelligrow. Oh, true. Okay. Well, that's for regrowing bones. Oh, that's
1: true. Uh, No, that's not, because then. I mean,
0: you could. You'd still have to reset the bone normally, but then I suppose that could work. But it seemed like there is just a spell that knits bones, because.
1: Madam Humphrey was talking about it last book. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, we need to not remember that because there are key moments where Ron's leg is keeping him from doing other things later.
0: Um, (laughs) This is a plot important injury.
1: Don't hold up under that scrutiny, Spencer.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
2: So you say he doesn't
1: have a leg to stand on. Okay. He has one leg to stand on. (laughs) He's in pirate terms. Um... So, I, yeah, I mean, I do think that the, maybe we could say the, the Weasley contingent of this chapter does not have a good day.
0: I mean, I almost say that Sirius Black accomplished a lot that, you know, he probably wasn't even expecting to pull off. But the man, even if he is not as hostile as the book has been previously hinting at, this is not a guy that is in great either physical or mental health. So right. I don't think any real win can be assigned there. He's barely holding on even through the conversation of meeting old friends.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, Harry seems to be going through some stuff. Hermione seems to be going through some stuff. Like, we're, yeah. we're short on... <laughs>
0: L- Lupin demonstrates his, his badass credentials once again, but I don't think he's really actively involved enough to win anything here.
1: No, and I also think that he is, like, really sh- so ensconced in damage control at this yeah. point that it's not... Even accomplishing his goals is not really winning
0: hmm
1: so did did we do it? Did we do the thing you you did the thing okay uh what questions could we possibly have
0: uh, shall I start b j would you prefer to
1: um I'd like to start
0: on
2: a note that possibly could be answered, and then we'll follow with some of yours that <laughs> probably can't be answered okay um is is the animagus... Uh, style, like turning into an animal related to, uh, the polymorph or transfiguration. There we go. Um, spells.
1: It, it is related. It is very, very advanced. And so, um, I can answer that. Like, and, and we got, um, this was talked about at, at one point, but like the fact that, um, Professor McGonagall can turn into a cat like she is an Animagus.
2: Yes. Um, So we've had that. It's just like, it's less clear, like how much that is related to the transfiguration Mm -hmm. and like, is this something that most powerful wizards can sort of do? Or is this like a, like there are a handful of people that are like special?
1: Um, I would classify it as like highly advanced transfiguration um Mm -hmm. and it's also heavily regulated by the ministry um so (laughs) for like well it is supposed to be although we here have perhaps two unregistered animagi um in the same chapter but for obvious reasons given that Sirius black has apparently been running around as a dog recently uh the ministry would like to keep track of who is able to do this and who is not so there is like a series of kind of testing and registering Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, that one would do, even after one has enough power and knowledge to be able to do it in the first place. Is there like a badge that they have to wear, or do they get like tattooed? I don't, I think there's just a list. <laughs> mm.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, but it's a list that also oh, good, we, we, <laughs> we learn um, that the list includes not only kind of who you are in your human form but identifying marks of the animal that you turn into and when you become an animagus um, you only there's you only turn into one animal you can't like pick and choose
0: gotcha do you get to pick the original form or is it just you once you manifest this power you appear as some, you're able to t- appear as some random animal
1: um, it's a little bit unclear. I don't know that we ever get like a specific answer for that. Um, it's a little unclear if there's like a willful act of choosing what your Animagus would be or if it is some manifestation of some part of your personality that comes out through the magic. Oh, uh, so nope.
2: kind of related to like the Patronus?
1: I, my guess is it's a little bit closer to the Patronus that you kind of become the thing. Um, mm-hmm. Although we do see some evidence of some other Animagi later who are not only... Manifesting a part of their personality, but that is also like specifically helpful to them in some way. So it's I, I don't know.
2: So, quick follow up: mm-hmm. What part of McGonagall's personality is the cat? She is standoffish. Is she okay? I was going to say is she catty, or as the English might say, uh, she's very interested in Hagrid and a number of the other professors. <laughs>
0: Fan theory continues.
1: <laughs> I I would say that she is aloof. Spencer. Uh,
0: well, it, if it follows traits, I'm just trying to picture what Neville would be. I'm guessing you'd just <laughs> turn into a wet blanket. Uh, not sure if that <laughs> follows falls into the set criteria, but it's at least possible.
1: I'm not sure uh, that Neville would have the. Um, training necessary to get to a point at which the uh, the question would be applicable.
0: Oh no, I, I still have hopes that Neville's actually going to be able to successfully graduate. I'm not reassured at that yet. <laughs> uh, for the Whomping Willem, kind of brought mm-hmm. this up previously, but it yeah. seems to not actively murder, well, Sirius Black in animal form or Crookshanks. Is this due to them being animals? Is this due to their speed or unique knowledge? Is this due to them just not being human? what's going on here why are the, why are why are Harry and Hermione getting actively beat up while these guys are able to get through okay?
1: I think it's size, speed, and knowledge um and so you know I think that what we kind of get, although the description of of Ron being actually dragged into um the tunnel under the Wamping willow is a little confused um, it's Don't a little the- unclear. Go ahead, Spencer, I'm sorry.
0: Yes, he said. not helped by the fact that Harry himself only has a pretty uh, limited view of what's going on as he's running over there.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's a little unclear, like, to what extent... And I'm trying to get there, I'm sorry. Um, the Whomping Willow is actually doing its thing at that point. It doesn't seem like it is, but everything else is a little confused, too. Because um, it does say... Hold on. Okay, the one light showed him the trunk of the thick tree, they had chased scabbers into the shadow of the Whomping Willow, and its branches were creaking as though in a high wind, whipping backward and forward to stop them going nearer. And there at the base of the trunk was the dog dragging Ron backward into a large gap in the roots. Ron was fighting furiously, but his head and torso were slipping out of sight. Um, hmm. So what I do happen to know is that uh, Sirius Black in dog form also knows about the knot on the tree. So it is possible that Sirius had pushed the knot to had pushed the knot as the dog to it stop things in, momentarily.
0: Ran in, pushed it, and then ran back to get Ron.
1: Maybe or came from the tree. Um, he might have been using that tunnel to get at them in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but Crookshanks learned from Sirius, apparently, where this knot is. And I would imagine that Crookshanks is small enough and fast enough that that doesn't really come into play. There is, however, a very funny scene in the movies in, I can't remember, if it's this. I think it's this book. Yeah, it is. Um, in the third movie, where they have a whole bunch of cut scenes that are of the Whomping Willow showing kind of time passing if seasons are going. Mm-hmm. Um, and in one of them, it snatches a bird out of the air <laughs> unexpectedly. Oh. So. Oh, okay. In a in a puff of feathers, All right, that well, Bird so is gone.
0: Okay, so this thing is not you know well suited for the natural world and has a hatred for humanity. It just wumps.
1: It it wumps. Yes, it it indiscriminately womps. So I would say that it is not a fact of them appearing as animals. It is simply because they know how to game the system.
2: Okay. Uh, background question, which it's probably I just don't remember exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Is there a Ford Anglia on the background here?
1: Uh, is the Fort Anglia still in the tree? Yeah. No, the Fort Anglia escaped into the forest and in fact saved uh, Harry and Ron from the oh, spiders. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah,
0: it, it is now a resident of the Forbidden Forest.
1: <laughs> it has gone feral.
0: Um, <laughs> it has become the king of the unicorns. <laughs> so, quick question back to
2: the Animagus. Mm-hmm. Or animagus. Um, clearly this doesn't work like Animorphs.
1: Uh-huh. Well, so I don't know th- how there are no a work.
0: There are no aliens involved or crystal that kids touch and become... Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of differences here. So, but,
2: like, there's no ill effects for the, these animagi being in animal form for hilariously long amounts of time? Uh, to, I guess we'll find
0: out. <laughs> to, to, to just clarify, if it, if you, you remain in your animal form too long as an animorph, you run the risk of being permanently stuck in it
2: yeah and it sort of like progresses like worse and worse as time goes on Mm -hmm. apparently because there were some books that got a little hinky Mm -hmm. um because like if you went too long in your animal form like you kind of retained a little bit of like your human Mm -hmm. personality and then eventually like you just became the animal and it got weird oh interesting apparently as
1: as far as we know um and we don't really get any evidence to the contrary of this moving forward, um, which I guess is a little bit of a spoiler, but I don't think it actually matters. I, it doesn't seem to have any LFX on you. Interesting, Spencer. Uh, are
0: counter spells a thing, or magic wards, or anti-magic charms? To what way can you defend yourself against a spell like Expelliarmus, other than just having like a little lanyard wrapped around your wrist?
1: <laughs> there are um, <laughs> the little wee remote control. Yes. Those. <laughs> Um, there, there are shielding spells, um, and there are, I think you can shield yourself from Expelliarmus, um, but it usually comes so fast it doesn't, like, particularly work. I don't, it's, Expelliarmus is one of those things that we have to accept happens in the world. Um, it is, it is used extensively going forward.
0: And Harry might shoot first. Yes. But there, there isn't, like, say, an active shield ward that you can just have permanently going around yourself for, like, the sake of, like, a bulletproof vest protection?
1: Not really. Um, you can do it a little bit, but only for very short periods of time because it just takes so much magic and so much energy.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Are there any scenes where somebody is riding a magic wand like a broomstick because this Expelliarmus <laughs> happened and they didn't let go?
1: <laughs> um, not <to> my no. <laughs> Although if that could happen to Lucius Malfoy at some point, that would be great.
2: Um, actual question. How big is the invisibility cloak?
1: Oh, well, it seems to be rapidly expanding as they grow older. <laughs> um, I, it's big, but we do get a lot of scenes kind of going forward that um, it, it does become too big to hide all three of them.
2: Or they become too big. They become, I'm sorry,
1: they become too big for it to hide all three of them. And um, I can't remember if it was, if it's in this book or maybe the next book, but um, where they have to walk very carefully so that their ankles don't show. Wow. Spencer.
0: I'm trying to imagine now that Harry was wearing the invisibility cloak in the middle of a crowded room. So the thing had to be not long enough for it to drag, otherwise someone's going to step on it and that's going to be problematic. (laughs) I think he wraps himself up in it like toga-like in certain Oh, places. okay. Now it's a fun visual. <laughs> this, this is this is Linus in the blank. He wrapped around mm-hmm. himself. I got
2: mm-hmm. you. I mean, it's also kind of funny because it's like, they're only worried about their ankles showing when it's like three of them underneath, but it's not a problem with Harry in general, and they can run. Yeah, I think this is like a magical item that requires suspension of disbelief up until... <laughs> Something. B.J., I assure Fabric you. Fabric
1: physics don't matter.
0: B.J., I assure you, a magical item that that invokes suspension of disbelief is the most powerful magical item in any literary setting. <laughs> Gives plus two to suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Bravo. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to, this is among the questions I don't expect you to answer, but it just boggles my mind to unpack it, so I'm just going to read out a quote from Lupin, if you don't mind, Sarah.
1: Please.
0: Where is, where is he, serious? But then why hasn 't he shown himself before now unless unless he was the one unless you switched without telling me Sarah, what does that mean? Oh, what is he saying? Oh, what is he talking sorry. about I feel like it 's pretty obvious what what if, if it's obvious, if it 's obvious and you can deduce it from right now b j with adam redhead, you can you can answer this question what what in their opinion is he talking about?
2: Well, that Peter Pettigrew is bad. Something happened back in the day that Peter Pettigrew probably did, and not Sirius Black, but they switched places for some reason, and Lupin is aware of a lot of what went down because it was a an interesting group of friends dealing with something else.
0: It's the switched without telling me thing that's messing with me. Cause it, I'm interpreting that to mean that you switched with, you switched at that time without telling me at that time, rather than in the three minutes that we've seen each other again without telling me right now that you switched.
2: Well, we know that something happened with Sirius Black and Harry's parents.
0: We know there's been a lot of murdering in the past, including the only murder he was actually directly convicted of, of Peter Pettigrew. Uh,
2: and there was a very large surprise I think of-
1: that right now is the time to stop this conversation. <laughs> and no, wait no, for I'm the I'm... next chapter but he's socratically helping me learn things that's not how novels work oh
2: it is when I haven't read ahead and I don't actually know these spoilers
1: well then go on then I suppose no, no, newbie- no, newbies just note to yourself <laughs> <laughs> I will take on. my headphones off and leave B-
0: <laughs> BJ more questions what you get
2: um, I, I had sort of more questions about the whole Animagus thing, but mm-hmm. I, I think that hopefully the questions will either be answered or completely moot. Um,
1: yeah, we learn more about it later and in later books as well. So
2: yeah. Um, and I guess the main thing that I will ask is. How much are people torturing sentient or non-sentient things? Like when you turn a non-sentient thing sentient and then back, does it like retain it, or is it only like a certain border of, uh, sentience that is attributed to magical things that we care about?
1: I prefer not to think about these <laughs> questions when I'm reading very No, so actually, um. I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but there are like very weird and upsetting conversations in later books about kind of what counts um, mm-hmm. as sentient or mattering or anything like that. Now it never gets down to the level of like when you turn the turtle into the teapot or vice versa, like what actually happens there. Um, but So if, for
2: example, Peter Pettigrew mm-hmm. as scabbers was turned into a snuff box mm-hmm. which i wow. can't imagine that didn't happen <laughs> that mm-hmm. is in, that is inception levels of debating personality <laughs> mixing right there you know did he start sneezing when he came, came back
1: uh, probably in all honesty that seems like a very sort of harry potter world thing to happen <laughs> spencer
0: uh so, we have basically confirmed now, basically, it's confirmed in this chapter that Lupin was among those who made the Marauder's Map, that mm-hmm. he was appropriately Mooney, which, man, friends can be mean if that's your nickname you had in school. <laughs> Better than Looney. Uh, not much. Not much. It's less creative. Hmm. Uh, we've said before that Marauder's Map is one of the more powerful magical objects we've yet seen in this series. Like... Mm-hmm. It rivals or exceeds things that are legitimately recognized as among the most powerful magical objects that have ever been created, and this was apparently made in school by I'm forgetting how many how many authors there is, I guess four mm-hmm. students mm-hmm. working on the fly. They wrote the thing. Mm-hmm. Do we ever have explained how four non-graduated students at Hogwarts pulled that off, or is this just the thing we got to kind of yada yada accept?
1: No, we so don't. So
0: Zordon came to Earth. <laughs> I, I'm waiting for that.
1: We don't get that answered, but I will say that never comes up, which is extremely frustrating. However, um, we do get a weird and interesting parallel in Fred and George Weasley and what they are capable of doing in school, even as they pay very little attention to actually school related things going on. So, the, the purpose of mischief
0: brings about great things in this world? Mm-hmm, I think so. Okay. I think that's also why
2: Dumbledore is considered one of the greatest wizards <laughs> to, to have ever me. lived. Because we're just
1: continuing a long tradition of. Well, this seems neat. Of uh, follow-up
2: that is almost definitely a spoiler, but I kind of just want to ask the question. Okay. Do Ron, Hermione, and Harry ever accomplish anything anywhere near as oh. cool?
1: Anywhere near as cool? No. Like like. <laughs>
2: Or impressive, or like anything like that, because it kind of seems that they just sort of stumble into stuff, and other people do impressive
1: things. TBD.
0: It it seems to be a very, very common fantasy trope that the main characters exist in a world of where the great magical artifacts were made before them, and they find them, but they don't add to the magical world themselves that much. It seems to be kind of following in that. That our characters are existing in the footsteps of giants rather than really... Treading their own path. I don't think that happens in this series.
1: Treading in the footsteps of giants.
2: Uh, only Hagrid does that.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> You'd be surprised.
0: We get to meet other giants.
1: Anyway, so the or next chapter oh. <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't want to do that, Sarah.
1: <laughs> is chapter eighteen Moony, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. Uh, do
2: you think we get
0: to learn more about the Marauder Map? Maybe. <laughs> I. I... Pretty sure we don't get to meet all of, those, all of those people, assuming one of them is Harry's dad.
1: That would be spectacular. <laughs> all right, so this has been fun, guys. Indeed As usual.
0: You- Looking forward to the next one.